So I want to begin this morning with a story, and uh, maybe it's, it, it has some elements that you two have experienced. It was the middle of summer, and, and uh, a guy was driving in the middle of summer, and, and he pulled into a little town that he'd never heard of, up to a gas station, and, and man, he, he didn't need gas. He, he just wanted something to drink. He just wanted something to drink. For the last two hours, he'd been driving through Texas in the middle of summer with a broken air conditioner. And, and even with his windows unrolled, you, you guys know how it gets when it's just hot is all hot. Uh, even with his windows unrolled, he was just absolutely drenched with sweat. And so he pulls into this little tiny podunk gas station and, and he walks and he walks back to kind of the, the, the drink dispenser and he finds the biggest styrofoam cup there is. I think it was 64 ounces and he fills it with ice and he does what every good Texan would. He goes right up to the dispenser that says Dr. Pepper. And he pushes the button. Nothing. Not even a spurt or a sputter. Nothing. So the guy thinks, okay. And so he pushes on the one that says Pepsi. Nothing. Fine. Coca-Cola. Pushes there. Nothing. About that time, a good old country boy, a local, pulls up in his pickup truck and walks into the store. And he does the same thing that the stranger did. He picks up the biggest cup there is. He fills it up with ice. He says, excuse me to the man. And he reaches across him and he fills his 64-ounce cup up to the rim with big red. Puts the lid on it, puts his straw in, takes a sip and says, ah. Now, the stranger couldn't help himself, so he just kind of had to ask the, the local, say, excuse me, sir, i got to ask you a question. You, you did that with such surety. How did you know that there would be Big Red? To which the local guy smiled and said, oh, Big Red is the owner's favorite. He makes sure that it never runs dry. Now listen, some of us here today are a bit like that stranger. We've been driving around for a while, spiritually speaking, and our ACs have been busted, and the truth is we are parched. We are in need of a good filling. And just like the owner in that story, the truth is God, in his infinite wisdom, seems to always have some favorite, predetermined, reliable means of grace by which he likes to fill us up. That's what we're going to talk about today. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for your love that you have pursued us even when we were unpursuable. And that even in our darkest moments, even when we are consumed with our flesh, that you are still speaking to our spirits. And you long to make us your own. Holy Spirit, we want to recognize our need for you today. We ask you to come and to be our teacher and to be our guide. We ask that you would fill us up to the rim. We pray that you would lift up and exalt Jesus. And Jesus, as you are exalted, that you would draw all of our hearts closer to yourself. We love you and it is in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, if you take a close look at your bulletin and then you look at the screens uh, behind me, you're going to notice that we are not doing a series on the church, like I said that we were doing. And uh, that happened about Thursday night-ish, uh, began to pray over uh, what, what was going on and, and, and got to Friday morning, woke up and just felt like I just we needed to go a different direction. And so we're actually jumping ahead to a series that I had planned for June 
uh, on spiritual disciplines. You'll notice when you look at the screen, uh, that word spiritual discipline is actually nowhere in, in the series title, and that's because I think that word puts the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, it puts the emphasis on us, is what it does. Right? It, it, when, when I hear spiritual discipline, I hear something that I need to do, and, and therefore it's, it's just kind of all on me. And instead, we're going to talk about habits of grace, because what we're going to find is really that it's a cooperation, that God is always working, God always wants to work in us, and it's a matter of if we're willing to cooperate with Him. And so that's what we're going to do, is we're going to talk about these things called habits of grace, okay? Um, now, the, the whole point of, of the series really um, starts with this truth that God has some predetermined, reliable paths through which he has worked uh, throughout the history of mankind. And we're going to try to figure out what those paths are. Some of them are going to sound very familiar uh, to you, and, and, and that's the goal. But all of these things, all, all of these, these habits, all of this goal of, of being more like Jesus, it all begins in one place, in its source, the source of every spiritual blessing, and that is the grace of God. And so I'm in the book of Ephesians, if you want to turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read verse 3 through 6, then we're going to skip down uh, to chapter 2 and read verse 1 through 9, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, and the word of the Lord says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he has lavished on us in the beloved one. I'm now reading from chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. And friends, this is our story, right? Saved by the grace of God. Now when we talk about salvation here, we often like to say that salvation is not just a one-time event. I mean, it certainly is that. There certainly is a day that we are born again. We like to speak of that. But, but, but that moment when that happens, when, when through faith we fall into the saving grace of God by believing in Jesus and his, and his perfect life and His sacrificial death, the fact that He conquered the grave, that He's risen at that moment that we come to that full belief, we are saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. But we don't stay there. From there, we move on. And, and as we begin to walk in newness of life in Christ, as we learn what it is to abide in Christ, to keep in step with His Spirit, we become saved from the power that sin has over our flesh. 
And then eventually the Bible says one day Jesus will return and he will take us to be with him, right? And at that moment, we will be saved from the presence of sin. It will all be done away with and there will be no more death and there will be no more hurting and there will be no more crying. We talked about that last week as we studied the book of Revelation, okay? So it's a process, it's a process. Now, the, the big theological terms for these processes that we're walking through, the first is salvation. We know that one. Then the second one is sanctification. And then ultimately, when Christ returns, we long for our glorification. Okay, those are the big theology terms. Now, if you're here today and you've already accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, if, if by faith you have fallen into the saving grace of God and you're a born-again believer, then, then, then you are, are the salvation thing, right? You're, you're beyond that. Now you're in the process. You're in this phase we call sanctification. Now, the Holman Bible Dictionary uh, defines this phase that we find ourselves in like this. It says, sanctification is the process of being made holy, resulting in a changed lifestyle for the believer. I'll say that again. It's the process of being made holy, resulting in a changed lifestyle for the believer. Now, that's a pretty good definition, but I think this one's actually better because this one speaks of who's responsible for this work. This is uh, by Wayne Grudem in his book, Systematic Theology. He says, sanctification is this. It's a progressive work of, what's that say? God and man, okay? It's a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more and more like Christ in our actual lives, okay? A progressive work of God and man. And guys, what I'm trying to say to you is this. This is still about grace, this, this is still, we are saved by the grace of God, we are sustained and sanctified by the grace of God, and one day, by the grace of God, He will call us home and we will be with Him in glory. It's all about God's grace. Now, if that's the case, there are some observations we need to make about this grace and about our means to receiving this grace and that's what I want to do this morning. I want to set up our entire study here over the next few weeks. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. Ready? Uh, by the way, I wrote this sentence. I, I know it's a conjunction, okay? Okay, don't get on me. I, I have some English uh, teachers in the room. That's okay. Listen, go read the Apostle Paul. That dude, like, puts 15 sentences together, okay? This is just two. It's okay. But here we go. I, I want you to, the, the first part of this up to the comma could stand on its own. There is no formula to force the grace of God to flow into our lives. You've you got to understand, there's, there is no formula to force the grace of God to flow into our lives. And that's one of the reasons that we're talking about habits of grace, and we're not just talking about spiritual disciplines. Because when we think of these things as spiritual disciplines, we have a tendency to think, I can push a button, I can say a prayer, and magically I'm going to have to be changed. And, and when we do that, when we find ourselves in the mud and the mire, and we stop and we pray, Dear God, dear God, if finally I give up, I'm praying. And we say, Amen, and we open our eyes, and we're still stuck in the mud and the mire, we think that God is broken. And God is not broken. It's not about that, right? It's not a push-button kind of thing. There's more to it than that. And so, so we're not going to talk uh, and put the emphasis on us. We're going to talk about how we can place ourselves into the paths uh, that God has predetermined by which he blesses his people. Okay? Paths of grace. All right? So it's important as we begin this uh, that we talk about this truth at its very essence. Grace is unearned. So there is no formula to force the grace of God to flow into our lives, but there are paths that he has 
promised by which uh, he, he pours out his blessing. Okay? Okay? Throughout the Bible, it is revealed to us time and time again that God has placed predetermined, reliable paths um, to receiving his blessing. I kind of want to show you what I mean. For example, Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Okay? Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3, reads like this. Uh, it says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates it on it day and night. Okay? He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Okay, now listen. If you read that, you realize that is not a button that you push. Right? That, 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 that's not a button. That's not like the pull on some heavenly um, ceiling fan that then causes it to make all the, the dust bunnies uh, just fall down on us, angelic dust bunnies that bless us. Right? That's not what this is. What this says is, blessed is the man who cares more about what God says than what man says, who places himself in the path of God's word, who commits himself to listening to God, and then, and then get this, doesn't just commit himself to, to listening to it, but there's a bridge between between listening to it and living it. He says he doesn't just listen to it, but then he also thinks about it. He meditates on it. Friends, I'm going to tell you one of the things, and we'll talk about meditation in this series, one of the things that we miss when we don't actually stop and think about the Word of God is we miss the bridge that gets us from taking in the Word of God to living out the Word of God. And meditation is huge. And so he says, blessed is this man. Now he's not saying like, like it's just magic. He's just saying this is how God works. When you are a child of God and you take in the Word of God and you think about the Word of God, your heart begins to soften to the ways of God. And you naturally want to start out living the life of God. And guess what? That's what we call blessing. Because God is good and because He is right. That's the way that it works. When we do things God's way, it's right. It's right. And we are naturally blessed. It's not a push button. It's a channel. If we seek out God, if we focus on Him, we're going to be blessed. So I want you to mentally take this note. Over the next few weeks, we're going to give you, we're going to teach you these habits. But these habits are not buttons. They're not push and get. Rather, these are habits, uh, they're, they're paths or, 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 or places where you may access the grace of God. I want you to think about it like this. If you were in need of a good cleansing and you were out in nature, you just needed a cleansing in your life and you came upon a waterfall, would you stand at the edge of it and just let the mist come up off of the rock and would you settle for that as a shower? Or would you place yourself under the direct flow of the force of the water and allow it to wash you clean? Which of the two do you think might get you more clean, I wonder? You've got to put yourself directly under the flow of the grace of God. And that's what we want to do. We want to place our lives there. Same thing with the habits of grace. Number two, I do need you to know that there is training involved on our part. There is training involved on our part. You can think about it this way. When you think about the human body, we know some things. Uh, how many of you in the room have ever tried a diet plan? Ever? Tried to lose some weight at any given time? Come raise your hand. Be proud of it. Man, I tried it. All right, different hands. How many of you failed it miserably within a month? Okay, that's a whole nother group. You're my people. My people, right? Yes, I'm no sugar this month. Dang it, it's October. Halloween's coming. 
That's when I start every good diet is like October 15th and then 31st comes. I'm like, just one Tootsie Roll's not going to kill this. Yeah. Guys, in the human body, we know some things. We know, for instance, that if you burn more calories than you consume, you're going to lose weight. That's just a proven fact. If you burn more calories than you consume, you're going to lose weight. That's just how it works. In a a very similar way, I want to tell you, if you take in more of the Word of God than you do the things of the world, right? Then guess what? You're going to become more like God than you were the day before. That's just a spiritual truth. The more of the Word of God, the more of the things of God, the more of the kingdom of God that you focus on, that you live in, that you dwell in, the less that your flesh is going to have power over you. And the more and more you're going to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so we need both, just as any good doctor would tell you, you need both diet and exercise. You need both diet and... Listen, we need grace, right? And work, We need those things working in cooperation. Remember, our definition for sanctification is this. A progressive work of God and man. God and man. It's grace, but there is work involved. And so the work that we need to work on is identifying these means of grace. Because God is always pouring out grace. We need to know where. We need to know where. And that's what this series is all about. It's identifying these paths to grace. And here's the crazy thing I'm going to tell you right now. Um, It may be the most boring series you've ever been a part of. Because there is nothing extraordinary about anything we'll talk about over the next six or seven weeks. Nothing. Nothing. Because these are the most common, practiced, um, talked about things in the history of Christianity. You've heard of these things before. You've heard about prayer. You've heard about Bible study. You've heard about meditation, right? There might be a couple that you thought, I didn't even know that that was a discipline I was supposed to be. But, but for the most part, I'm not going to give you anything new. What I'm going to ask you to do is to think about the different approach. Instead of push-button Christianity, well, I, I prayed God and I didn't get it. Well, I, I read my Bible this morning. I got up and had a quiet time. The pastor said I had to do it. I read it. I got nothing out of it, right? And maybe from moving beyond pushing a button one or two or three times and then going, I'm not changed, we convince ourselves that it's not about pushing a button, but it's about placing ourselves in a path where God historically has come and blessed and changed his people. Does it make sense? It's what we're going to work towards. It's what we're going to work towards, Okay. So, that is our goal. Identify um, these, these paths of grace. And that gets us to our next point. Ready? It's our part. We must learn to place ourselves in those paths. We must learn to place ourselves in these paths of grace. Uh, I'm going to read from... The Gospel of Luke, um, starting in verse 35. I want to read two stories uh, with you. And so, so Luke um, chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 35. Two stories that really um, different accounts, but kind of the same principle. And, and that's what we'll talk about after we read them. And so Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 35, it's talking about Jesus uh, approaching Jericho. And uh, then when we get to 19, he actually enters into Jericho. And so uh, Luke 18, starting verse 35, it says, As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd was passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. And so he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Then those in front of him told him to keep quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he commanded that this man be brought to him. And when he came closer, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see and he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now let's keep reading. Now in 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and who was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and he welcomed him joyfully and all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Both Bartimaeus, the blind man, and Zacchaeus did something. They placed themselves in the path of Jesus. They they put themselves in, in the direction that God was coming, right? They put themselves in the path of Jesus, who, who is God's ultimate blessing. And listen, there is no way that they could force it. Bartimaeus couldn't make Jesus stop and heal him. He, he can't force the hand of God. But he knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus was a man of great compassion. That Jesus had the power to heal and to forgive. And so he puts himself there on purpose. Saying, listen, if I put myself here in the path of God, then, then who knows, maybe God will have mercy on me too. And Zacchaeus does the same thing. He he wants to see Jesus. And so what does he do? Does he just go to his house and just stand there all alone going, well, maybe Jesus will speak to me someday? No. He runs ahead. He puts himself in the path of the parade. He climbs up a tree, which is an embarrassing thing in his society. He puts himself out there and guess what? God comes down the path and rewards him. And rewards him. It's the same way with these habits of grace. They are old, well-known, trustworthy trails by which God has blessed countless people throughout the generations. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about. Now, there's one last uh, thing I want to share with you, and it is not a point, but it is the point, okay? Not a point, but it is the point. Ready? Along this journey, we need to remember that the goal of grace is Jesus Christ himself. The goal of grace is Jesus Christ himself. The great end to these means and habits is knowing and enjoying Jesus. Jesus said it this way in John 17, 3. 
So this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and, and the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. Paul uh, says this in, in Philippians 3.8. He says, more than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of him I have suffered all of loss and of all things and consider them dung so that I might gain Christ. And that is the goal, my friends. That's where we all need to be. We need Christ. We need to be like Christ. We need to look like Jesus. All right? I'm going to ask you to um, do me a favor this morning. I'm just going to ask you where you are. If you'll pray with me for a moment. And then I want to lead you um, through uh, an exercise here in a second. You know, before we do that, I want to share. I always give you application. There's only one application this week. It's just homework. It's homework. This is a, this is a, a sermon of preparation. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week as you go home. Ready? Just, just this, just get your heart ready. Just get your heart ready for the, the story. I want you to spend the week preparing your heart to receive the truths that we're going to hear in this series, moving beyond just pushing buttons to placing ourselves beneath the flow of God's grace. All right, that is your homework this week. Now pray with me with that in mind. Father, um, thank you for your goodness and your love, and thank you for your word, which is true. Lord, we need it. We need to hear it. We need to receive it. We need to know that it's from you, that uh, your word is, it hits us all the same way. That none of us are, are worthy, but we are grateful for the truth of it. And Lord, the truth is every single person in this room needs to be more like you. Especially this guy. Love you, Lord. It's in your name I ask these things. Amen. So guys, here's the deal. Um, I just believe this with all my heart, spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking. I'm just spiritually. Now, those of you that are killing it and slaying the giants, you can come, just email me this week and you can come teach one of the habits. Totally fine. Totally fine. But I believe many of the people that I know have experienced what it's like, spiritually speaking, to have the AC go out. You got the windows unrolled and you're trying to get by, but the truth is you are just dry and parched. And you are in need of a filling from God. And uh, maybe that's not you today, but it was you last week. Maybe it's not you this week, but it may describe where you're going to be next week. Or maybe you've been in that season for some time. And so, what I'm going to ask you to do, I call it an exercise of faith, um, because you have to believe that God answers prayer. And so, we're going to pray together, um, but it's going to be a little weird. For some of you, because you're not expressive, okay? Um, I, I had, somebody once told me they dared me to try to preach a sermon without using my hands. I would have to do this, and then I would still be using my thumbs, which is weird, right? Just awkward. So I, I, can't, I can't talk without using my hands. I try this, and then, and then I start, my pants start coming up, and that's weird. And So, uh, you know, the, the, the Bible talks about holy hands. Some of you are expressive in worship, uh, and I see that. You know, we got, we got, we got this person. We got the, I've got a question, God. We've got a question, right? We've got the, the, the celebration person. Woo! Touchdown! Touchdown! I score. you got the person that, that, that is just, just like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I love you, Lord. I'm not, you know, you got the, Tim Hawkins has this whole thing out there. It's awesome. So like, some of us are expressed with our hands. Some are not. That's okay. I, we're all going to use our hands today. And don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to put them up where everybody can see what you're doing. What I'm going to do in a second, I'm going to ask you to place them in your lap. What I want you to do, the best of your ability, if you can imagine that you're out in the middle of nowhere and, and you're parched and you're thirsty and you come upon a fresh spring, 
Now, a fresh spring, people. Those of you that go hiking this summer, don't do this in a pond, okay? It's not, you're going to get sick as a dog. Fresh spring bubbling up from the rock, okay? And I want you to imagine that you go to that spring, and what, what would you do if you don't have anything to drink with? You're going to cup your hands, you're going to kind of make a vessel by which you could drink, all right? Hopefully that's what you're going to do. You're not just going to get down like a dog, and, okay? Vessel, vessel. So in a moment when we pray, what I'm going to ask is that every head will be bowed, every eye will be closed. I'm going to ask just symbolically before the Lord that you would just make a little vessel um, that would maybe symbolize your spiritual tank right now. Just where is it? Maybe it's overflowing. Praise God for you. It'll just be flowing into your lap, maybe onto the person next to you. But maybe, like many here, You know, it's pretty dry. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is make that vessel and then pray just a simple prayer with me, a little gut check prayer, and that's all we're going to do. And then uh, Brother Alan's going to play a a song over us and for us, okay? So would you bow your heads right where you are? Would you just go ahead and and just make that vessel before the Lord, just that symbol of where you are spiritually. Maybe, Maybe your cup is half full. Maybe it's empty. Maybe it's overflowing. That's okay. Just gonna make that cup with our hands right there in our lap. Nobody's looking around. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Just right where you are, I want you to pray this prayer with me, okay? Because man, we need it. Just pray this prayer with me. Ready? God, I need a filling. Just pray that. Just God, I need a filling. start there let's venture on now God please help me help me see your promised means to grace help me see the ways that you work have worked throughout your word. God, please help me see it. Pray this. God, give me the strength to move. Give me the strength to get back up and to place myself in your path. Please, God. Last part. And God, please, change me. I need you to change me. Please.
pray together. Lord, I pray that you would do something new in us via some very old methods, some tested, some tried, some true ways that you have historically worked to bless your people. We need you, God. So please, prepare our hearts for this series. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.